All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Everybody, welcome back to Dropping the Gloves. Thanks for joining us here on a Friday, number three of the week. We I thought, oh gosh, three episodes a week. We're overachievers, but we do it because there's so much to talk about. And we love doing it. So thank you for joining us. We appreciate the support. Tim's here, as usual. Per per usual, par excellence. Timmy's joining us from North Carolina. How are you, Tim? Sunny, beautiful North Carolina. I'm doing well, John. Thank you for asking. I tell you what, I woke up this morning, a little under the weather, walked outside. It's November 4th. It was 60 degrees outside. It felt beautiful, a slight breeze. I was just like, kids, no jackets today. It's November 4th, and they're not even wearing jackets to school. It's In northern Michigan, no less. In northern Michigan. Kid Rock should write a song about it. He really should. Yeah, it's summertime in northern Michigan. Remember that? And we were trying funny. I don't know. The- it's a great song. It is a very catchy tune. It's about Traverse City. Well, Torch Lake in particular, but just very close to Traverse City. So how was your I didn't day? know that. You didn't know that? No, this is that came out pre my Michigan days. So that's true. Are you are you feeling down because your bet US bets are just tanking and and your under your under calls are just just embarrassing? I was thinking yesterday, if you just did the opposite of my bets every day, you'd be up on the year. Pretty mm-hmm. much. Pretty close mm-hmm. to it. Um, but every day is a new day, and today is the beginning of beginning of the winning streak. It's a new no good things. I okay, whatever you say. I think it's hard to get a winning streak when you do like five bets a day, like I do. You just you win some, you lose some. Yeah, you know what I mean. I always lose my parlay. I've only won one of them, but that one was a big hit. That's why I'm still on the plus because I nailed a parlay for a big amount, and then I just ride that wave until my next parlay hit, and I almost hit the last one. Stinking Leafs! If the Leafs lose, I nail all four parlays because I went over over. Philly Sabres. Sabres won over, over, and the Leafs burned me. John Tavares in particular. What a what, game. What a game that guy had. He is, and I said it last year, and I know other people talk about this. You talk about Marner. You talk about, this isn't even on our agenda, by the way. I don't know why we always just circle back to the Leafs. You talk about all their stars, Riley, Marner, Nylander, all these guys. Matthews, obviously. It's Tavares' team. If they win a Stanley Cup, it's because of him. He is the guy. 
who just does it all for this team. I don't know how old he is now. He hasn't lost a step. He looked fantastic. His one goal, I think it was his hat trick goal. Silly, silly goal. He's got sweet hands. He's still very effective. He's, he's the guy in that team. I don't know. So yeah, he, he won them that game. Yeah. I watched the whole thing. It was, it was a couple of good goals. Every goal was good. Honestly, I think he had an assist too, but that, that third one was the one where he went inside outside on Sanheim and then got Mm -hmm. his own rebound highlight real goal. Big, big statement win from the Leafs. Not surprised that they, yeah, that was a good game for them. It it was a much needed win just to get the pressure off there. God, they've been under so much pressure. They've just been mostly from you. From me, from everybody, from themselves. They do it to themselves. It's just self-inflicted wounds. All right, let's let's not talk about that. Let's talk about other teams. We're going to do a league roundup. There's a lot of games last night. Really, really action-packed NHL roundtable. So let's just dig into it. We don't talk about the New Jersey Devils much. They're just out there on the East Coast. Everybody talks about the Rangers. Even the Islanders get a lot of ink just because they sign a lot of guys. Lou Lamorello, they're very active. The Devils are just out there but quietly after their slow start when the fans were calling for the head of their head coach lindy ruff actively chanting during games fire lindy fire lindy fire lindy two games into the season their assistant captain calls out the calls out the players in the media saying i'm sick and tired of being on a bad team that's what stinks the most that's two games into the season since then tim they have turned a corner they're eight and two they're flying, they're scoring goals, they're playing good defense. What's going on in New Jersey? Was it the Miles Wood pep talk? Or is it just they had a slow start? Nothing to it. They're a good hockey team. Well, they've been a bad hockey team for a few years now. And they started off 0-1 and wasn't a great after that opening night. And Miles Wood, after years of buildup, we talked about it about three weeks ago when he said it. He said, I'm just sick and tired of being on a bad team. That's the thing that stinks the most. And then they lost the next night, too. Started off 0-2. And then something changed. I don't know what it is. Jesper Bratt certainly is a huge part of it. But it's a whole team thing. Jack Hughes is producing. Dougie Hamilton is producing. All these guys are producing. He sure and the Devils are 8-2 since those comments, like you said. So, yeah, they they won again last night. And it's not just the wins. It's how they're winning because they were down in the third period against the Edmonton Oilers team. And they scored two goals in seven seconds, which is never happens. Starting with Ryan Graves with a snipe coming down on a rush. And he had the second goal in like a week, basically. He scored again earlier this week or, or uh, end of last week, last weekend. Just snipe right through traffic, and then they score seven seconds later, right off the faceoff to Jesper Brad on a breakaway. He scores his, I want to say he's got his eighth goal of the year. He's got 17 points in 11 Brad, games played. Yeah. Brad's got five goals. Five goals, 17 points. The Devils are first in their division, and he has had points in every single game this year. So if you're looking at why the Devils are surprising people, he's got to be a huge part of it. It's the defense in my mind. They're playing solid defense. Dougie Hamilton didn't have his greatest year last year. I I don't know why, but he's playing great. Ryan Graves, another signing last year. We talked to him, friend of the show. They were all in on the defense coming into last year. It just didn't really work out. But when you look at this team, they have a lot of high-end offensive guys. But I think, and much like another team we're going to discuss later on in the show, They have just a solid defensive system. They're playing really good hockey. They're not putting up crazy amount of goals every single game. They're not really outscoring teams by eight, eight, five, four, you know, seven, four, this and that. They get the goals when they need them, obviously. But more importantly, they play solid defense. 
Like Ryan Graves, they've played 11 games. He's plus 11. That John Marino they got out of Pittsburgh, that was a sneaky. Did they trade for him? I don't remember. I can't remember how they acquired him. He's a good player. He's fit in nicely. This is his first season with the Devils. He's playing great. So I just like the Devils. I I don't know if they can sustain this in that division. Everybody knows how good the competition is in that division. But boy, they are playing really good hockey, Tim. And you must love Jack Hughes. He's just he's slotted in second line playing with Halla, another big you know acquisition this offseason. And he's got Jesper Bratt. It, it's a very functional second line. You got Hirshire Tatar anchoring that first line, and they're they're just playing good, fast hockey. That's all it is. It's just it's very straightforward. It's up and down the ice. They're not trying to do anything silly. They're playing good, solid defense, waiting for the other team to make a mistake, and then they go. It, it's not hard. I played for Lindy Ruff. I know how he coaches. It's it's just very straightforward. Forwards come back, help in the D zone. Don't leave the zone until we have the puck, and you're for sure we're going to get it out of the zone. Then you go, and that's all he does. It's very, it's a very meat and potatoes type of hockey that Lindy Ruff coaches, but it's, it gets results. There's a reason he's still a coach in this league after 30-some years. It's very simple. Play defense, then you move zone by zone, defensive zone, neutral zone, offensive zone. He's not a big, you know, take chances. We're going to beat him on the rush. We're going to go, go, go. He just, you know, slow and steady wins the race with him. That's not really the way things are going in the, in the age of the NHL where they're trying to reinvent the wheel and everything's, you know, run and gun and we're blowing the zone. We're going to, you know, fly a forward, pull a defenseman out. We're going to have a guy coming across. We're going to overwhelm him. The defense is jumping in the rush. That's not this team. That is not how this team works. They they just methodically move themselves up the ice. So it's, it's a nice thing. I like that. I like Lindy Ruff. He's a good coach. So I, I bet you he's happy they're winning. The pressure's not there because I thought he was going to be gassed after a week after all the the rigmarole, especially with Woods coming out. I kind of critiqued Wood a little bit. It's not his place, but obviously it's working. They're winning hockey games, so we'll see if it lasts. The big question is, do you think they can keep it up? I mean, they're not going to go 8-2 and two over the next 10 games probably, but like, are, are they a legit team, do you think, in your eyes? I don't think they can keep it up. I don't. I, uh, I don't know. It's just based on their division. I'm biased. When I look at this division, when I look at their lineup, when I look at other lineups, I think Carolina's better. I think the Rangers are better. Gosh. Then you get then it gets to the sticky part of the division. Those two are definitely outliers, the Rangers and Carolina, but are they better than Philly? Are they better than Washington? Pittsburgh? You know, maybe they maybe they will make it. There there's a whole group of five teams in the Metro Division. There's just question marks surrounding this teams. Washington, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Islanders, and New Jersey. Who are they? You know, has Pittsburgh time come and gone? Is Washington just going to succumb to all the injuries they always get every single year? Can the John Tortorello effect stick with Philadelphia through a whole season? And then what's going on with the Islanders? This this old group of players, they've been garbage for the last two years. Have they figured it out? Are they just playing fine now? And then who are the New Jersey Devils? Who are they? So I, th- I think we'll find a lot out in the next month or so. Obviously, we will. We'll, we'll figure out where they are. But I don't know. Do you think they're legit? Do you think they're going to stick in the top three in this Metro division? 
Well, legit is in like, yeah, what they've done so far is what they're going to do all year. No, probably not. But I do think they've accelerated what we thought the path that they were beyond. And yeah, I think they're, they're a good team. And like you said, it's a tough division, but I think they have a solid chance of making a playoff spot. We're going to talk about the Penguins, for example, who are probably in panic mode. I know it's early in the season, but they have not looked good. Capitals don't look right. And so the, if between them and the Islanders, I think I like the Devils to sustain a playoff spot. And so, and we talk about this pretty much every week, but like, even if they slow down and go through a rough patch, all these points that they're getting early in the season are so, so important when it comes to March and February and where the standings are. And so they really set themselves up well. And I think, yeah, I think I would not be surprised that they're in a playoff spot come the playoffs. Yeah, this is an important year for them because when you look at their, their roster, when you look at their cap space, you, you just assume all oh, their, their, they're below the cap, right? The Devils. They never spent it. They're, they're maxed out. They have zero cap space available. But when you look at the contracts on their team, half their team is on expiring contracts. All these forwards they brought in, the Tatar, the Johansons, the Miles Woods, the Eric Hollas, they're all on expiring contracts. And Bratz an RFA. McLeod's an RFA. Sharon Grankovich is an RFA. Then you look on their back end. Ryan Graves is UFA. Severs is a, is a UFA. They They have a lot of guys on just expiring contracts. So this is a big season for them, whether the ownership, whether the GM and the president want to go forward with this group. Is this the group we're going to compete with? Are we going to re-up Jesper Bratt? Are we going to retain all these UFAs? Or is it just a total rebuild? And we got Hughes, we got Hershire, but that's it. And then we just start over from scratch and we try to build around those two or three guys. Dougie Hamilton, I'll include him in the mix. But it's you, you very rarely see this in the NHL, Tim where a team has 23 guys on their roster, and how many are, are up? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, including Mackenzie Blackwood. Over half of their team could be gone next year. That turnover doesn't happen. That That is not normal in the NHL. So this is a huge year for the Devils. We'll see. Tom Fitzgerald, I don't know anything about him. I don't know his GM history, but man, he has a lot of tough decisions coming up. And just one more thing on this team. One of the things that I love in sports are when guys take contracts to bet on themselves and then they, they get a huge payday. And that's what Jesper Bratt's doing. He signed a one-year deal for about five and a half, and he's going to get a big payday. He's probably making seven H mil next year and probably with decent terms. So I, I just love when that happens. I love when it works out in their favor. That's the thing. Do you take <laughs> contracts? Do you sign Jesper Brat for eight years, $8 million if, if you're the Devils? He, he will want that type of money. The last few years, he's produced. He had 73 last year. He's going to get over 80 points if he keeps the pace this year. Is he the guy? Is this little Swedish forward who was just coming into his own the last two years, he'll be 25 years old when he's an unrestricted free agent or when he's due for a restricted free agent, excuse me. Is this is this the guy you hit your card to? Because then that's it. We look at other teams around the league. You have your three or four guys who you give big money to. Is your three or four guys going to be Jack Hughes, Nico Hershire, and Jesper Bratt and Dougie Hamilton? Are those, are those the four that you're going to war with? Do you feel comfortable with that, Tim? Uh, I like that group. There's a lot of skill. There's not much size. Those are all pretty small forwards, and that's the part that makes me nervous. And Dougie's not small, but he doesn't play big. 
And so, yeah, that makes me a little nervous. And I do think they're going to give him the money that he wants. He's shown a lot of interest in returning. And I think a similar comparison, not necessarily in player, but another guy having a breakout season, Tage Thompson for Buffalo. He signed. Oh, my love, uh, Tim. You're getting me excited. I love. He signed a deal. He's been making 1.4 for the last three years. He signed a deal this summer. He's going to be making seven mil for about seven years, just short shy of fifty million dollars. That's probably what what. Brat's going to want. I think that's a fair comparison. That contract that Tage Thompson signed will be the equivalent of an of a Marshawn contract or a Pasternak contract or a McKinnon contract, where you look back and you go, "How does this guy sign that deal?" The foresight on that is just through the. Ro- I love Tage Thompson. I honestly do, and it's not because he plays for the Sabers. It's not because you know the whole acquisition with Ryan Riley. It's because he's tall. That's the only reason why. If he wasn't six foot seven, I wouldn't care about the kid. But he's six seven. He is debunking the the adage that tall guys aren't skilled. Tall guys, you know, it takes them longer to develop. This guy's an absolute wagon. I love him. No, he's in my head, and I got to refocus. Well, who else are we talking about, Tim? On the league roundup today for the dropping the glove show. Yeah, uh, the Golden Knights won again. They've won six straight now, and and we talked about them fairly recently. Jack Eichel is having a nice, really nice season. He's leading the team with 13 points, but they're getting production up and down the lineup. They have eight players with eight or more points, and so if if he's got an off night, if Mark Stone's not scoring, they have other guys who step up. Chandler Stevenson's having an excellent year. I thought I wasn't a big Chandler Stevenson guy last year. I thought maybe I don't think he's as good as he, as this, and he's definitely proved me wrong. And then you got on the back end, you got Braden McNabb's eating pucks to the face and he makes a great first pass. Peter Angelo, now you got me saying it. And Theodore, are they I know they don't play they don't play every minute together, but when they do, they're they're just unstoppable on the ice. They've got like maybe eighteen combined points already. Are they the best deep pairing in the league, do you think? Or top three, top five? They're up there. They're definitely up there. They are definitely up there. They're everything you want. They got uh a stay at home is Peter Angelo a stay at home defenseman at this point in his career. He's more responsible, and then Theodore just bounces everywhere. So uh, they have to be in the top five D pairings when you look at pairings around the league. And based on this year, they got to be number one so far. They're playing great hockey. And is this is this a touchy subject we talked about? Is this a Bruce Cassidy effect? Is this why? I mean, it has to be part of it. And part of it's just having a new coach, period. Like we've seen that a few teams around the league that have a new coach and there's just that energy. There's that excitement and the anticipation and guys are, it's still very early. And well, you know what? It's not that early anymore. We keep, we've been saying that. I, it's we're, not. We're a month we're and a like, half in. Right. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't know how early it really is anymore, but. I think he is a big part of it. And they've, they've, the players have said a lot of positive things about them. And I like, he brings a very responsible game that balances out some of the high end skill that they have and the, the defense first structure. So yeah, I think he's definitely part of that. What's really just funny. And it's funny how hockey works where you just expect something. The Vegas Golden Knights, the last two years, three years had Mark Andre Fleury. They had Robin Lehner, Vesna winners. Guys, earmarked for the Hall of Fame, Mark Andre Fleury. I think he's top three in wins, goaltenders all time. This season, you're riding in with a guy they just traded for at Aiden Hill and a rookie in Logan Thompson. Everybody was panicking. What's going to happen? This will be our downfall. Why did we not address this in the offseason? Listen to these stats from these two goalies. Logan Thompson, 6-2, and two, 2.01 goals against, 934 save percentage. Aiden Hill, 4-0, oh, 
1.72 goals against, 9, 940 save percentage. Who's Who saw this coming? This is I incredible. I called it. I called that. Did you? I called it. Yep. I didn't know. I didn't remember that. But this is... Uh, no, I didn't. I know you did. I'll let you have it. But it's it's amazing. It honestly is amazing. It just goes to show you, you do not need a star goaltender to win hockey games. The Knights are playing good hockey. They're playing good team hockey. And I just said it with the Devils. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to play good defensive hockey. You just have to get guys to buy in. And yes, it's a luxury. They have these good defensemen playing on the back end, but they had these guys last year. They had these guys two years ago. They've had these guys for a long time. Last time I checked, Martinez, Peter Angelo, McDab, Theodore, White Cloud, Heggie, they've been on the Knights for a long time, right? This team hasn't had a lot of roster turnover when you look at their team. It's the same team they've had for three years. Maybe Phil Kessel. They brought in Kessel. He's a defensive mastermind. No. You get a coach in there who wants to play defense, and I'm not saying maybe Pete DeBoer. I don't know. But they're playing good hockey. They're not giving up chances in their own, and they have a league best. They've given up 23 goals in 12 games. That's pretty good. I'm not a math guy, but that's less than two a game. And they're not sacrificing defense for offense. They're top 10 in offense. They're putting goals on the board. So, I don't know. I said it, Tim. I think we were talking about it on Monday. This is the best team the Knights have had, period, in their whole history. It's a short history. This is their best team. Top to bottom, the way they're playing, I like this team. And they're in a dumpy Pacific division, so that helps. They just play just meatballs every other night where they're just like, oh, tap in. Oh, we get to play. Who do we play this week? Anaheim? Great. Let's beat the doors off them. Are we going to talk about your Bruins again, honestly? Every show. I have to. I have to. Yeah. They won All again right. last night. They're the best team in the league. And I. <laughs> they beat the Rangers. And honestly, I was nervous. I did not think. I think. I was expecting the streak to end last night just because the things have gone our way. We had a nice comeback against Pittsburgh and then Bruins are playing on the road in Madison Square Garden. But what a win it was. Back and forth hockey, one nothing, two one, two two, tied up. And then DeBrus scores and Trent Frederick scores and, and all these kind of players come together. So yeah, all markers eight and no, arguably you know the best goalie in the league so far this year. And what a start he's had. Pasternak scored yet again. Did you see that backhand he had? Over Shesterkin's no. shoulder, just no. like against the board on the rush, defenseman in his face just floats a backhand over Shesterkin's shoulder. Incredible angle shot, no angle. Um, he's got now up to eight goals, eleven assists, nineteen points. Also in a contract season, what's his number going to be? He just—it seems like it's going up by the day. I don't know why they haven't tried to lock it up yet. He's going to get nine, ten, eleven. Gets whatever he wants. Uh, probably eleven million, eight years, eighty-eight million. I think that's a good number for him. What's the deal with the Rangers? Twenty shots on goal the whole game. That's insanely low. Like that is, that is a very low number. Rangers get twenty. Bruins get thirty-seven. And you say this was a close game? Did Shesterkin just play lights out? Was he just an incredible? He made some big saves, especially in the first couple of periods. He didn't look right in certain moments, and there was a certain couple of goals I think he'd like to have back, like that Pasternak one. The uh, Trent Frederick one was through traffic. It was one of those seeing-eye shots. But he had a couple of big saves, including there was a two-on-one. I forget who it was, but um, where he gets in the back door. So, yeah, he looked really good. There was a couple of saves he made where I was like, okay, that – that's Shosturkin. That's why he's, you know, the best goalie in the league. But the Rangers as a whole didn't really look right. And like we saw that beautiful power play goal from, I think it was a bandage ad, but they just, they didn't look quite right. Um, 
which is surprising. But the Bruins also don't make a lot of other teams look very good when they play against them. Nick Foligno, another guy I want to touch on. He looks like a completely different player. I think I was maybe his biggest critic the last couple of years. He is high energy. He's in your face. He's creating offense. He's getting power play time. He's getting penalty kill time. He's a big uh, fan of um, Montgomery and vice versa. Montgomery has been very kind to him and singing his praises in the press. And Nick Foligno had two goals last year in 60-something games. He's already got three. And so, yeah, he's looking like a different player. Really encouraging to see. And then Hampus Lindholm, another – we talked about him the other day – a goal and an assist. Uh, his plus 12 was the best in the league, and they're still without Charlie McAvoy. So, yeah, it looked really, really good for them. Well, that makes up for the trade. They give up a first-rounder to get Felino too. So hopefully that's going to yeah fruits to that because the early signs of that return was just like, woof, he was a healthy scratch. They sent him down to Providence. It, it wasn't good. I was ready to good. like buy him out or send him down and send him out. But, yeah, he looked Just good. gone. Here's my question. I – I go back and forth with the Rangers so often. Before the season, I said the keys to this team are Lafreniere and Capocacco. They're not playing well. They got five points in 12 games, respectively, each. Two goals, three assists. Lafreniere's on the second line. Caco's on the... No, Caco's on the first line. Lafreniere's on the second line. They're getting good minutes with good high-end players. They're not producing. At what point... Do you just have to pull the plug on these guys? Lafreniere, the, the the feeling out period is gone. This is your third full season in the NHL. You have to start showing some signs of why we picked you first overall. Capo Caco, this is his fourth full season in the NHL. You have to start showing some signs of why we took you second overall. At what point do you have to just say enough is enough? I know we invested a first overall pick and a second overall pick in these two guys, but are they the reason why we're fluttering? You have Kreider, Zabinijad, and Kako. You have Panarin, Trochik, and Lafreniere. There's two parts that aren't working. It's the two right wingers. It's your two high-end draft picks that everybody has these high expectations for. We we had that brief just surge in the playoffs when they were with Heedle and everybody was all excited, myself included. At what point, Tim, do you just have to say enough is enough? I'm sorry, you guys. We got to trade you. We have to do something. Because five points in 12 games playing with Zabinijad and Kreider is not acceptable. Five points playing with Panarin and Trocek is not acceptable. I'm telling you, if I were to play with those guys, I would at least pick up I three I knew you points. were going there. Yeah. I would get at least three. And I would do a hell of a lot more. I'd be hitting, I'd be fighting, I'd be more energetic than what these two guys are going. So I'll tell you what. I, I watched the entire game start to finish. I didn't notice Kako once until there was a scrum and someone was pointing about him just watching it. And then, yeah, Lafreniere, I only noticed in some extracurricular stuff, just jabbing at guys. They, neither of them did anything all night. And you did notice Ibanejad and Panarin and Kreider and Chorchek and all those other guys. And they just, they're they're a non-factor, especially if they're not on the scoreboard. Yeah, something has to happen. It's, it's you know, you, you give them the benefit of a doubt. New situation, they're under pressure. They have to, you know, get comfortable with the team. They have to change this. Chris Drury, this was the year for those two guys to have their breakout seasons. He's giving them the opportunity. They're getting power play time. They're playing first and line, first and second line minutes. 
which wasn't the case in years past where they would be buried on the fourth line, third line. Oh, they got to put them with skill guys in order for them to produce. They're playing with the best players in hockey right now. They're not producing. Chris Drury has to do something. He has to. He has to trade them. He has to get something in return just to switch up this roster. This is a very good hockey team. You cannot waste years of Fox. You cannot waste years of Igor Shosturkin. You have to take advantages. We saw them waste Henrik Lundqvist's career. Shosturkin is the best goalie in the NHL. You got it. And I'm not saying he's not trying to. They have a fantastic team. But the reason they're not winning, it's those two guys. And I know it's it's kind of really black and white to say that. But gosh, trade Kako. He makes 2.1. A team will take a flyer on him. Get something in return for him. I don't know. Maybe it'll change. Maybe they still need to, you know, figure out their line mates a little bit and get a little more comfortable. I don't think that's the case. They got five points in 12 games. They're not doing anything. Like you said, they look very pedestrian out there. Throw Ryan Reeves on the first line. I guarantee you he's he's more of an impact than those guys. He's going to bury other teams' defensemen and first-line players. He's going to chip in a goal every now and again. He'll be more effective. But it's just, it's too bad. I, I really thought they were gonna they were gonna work out, but it's just not happening. So yeah, I know. Maybe they need to save some money. Is that the thing? Because they're living downtown New York. It's expensive. Inflation's hitting. Everybody's you know pinching their pennies a little bit, a little bit more. Do you think they know about our DoorDash deal, Tim? Go ahead and tell them. Kako, Alex. DoorDash. Use our promo code GlovesDDUS if you're in Manhattan especially. You get 25% off. You get free delivery. It's a great deal, especially if you're in New York City. You don't want to go outside. The crime is running rampant. Go to the subway, you get kicked down the stairs, you get curb stomped. It's not fun. So use DoorDash. Leave that risk up to the DoorDash driver. Get your food delivered to you. Get it on a just super fast. Get it hot if you want it hot. Get it cold if you want a nice little sushi roll. Save some money using our promo code GlovesDDUS. If you're in Canada, just just GlovesDD. No US. It's a good company. It's a good deal. You get your food. You get your drinks. Whatever you want, DoorDash will bring it right to your door, and they'll do it swiftly. So use our promo codes. Use DoorDash. And away we go, Tim. There, I just fixed it. Kako and Lafreniere are going to start playing better. You're welcome, Chris Drury. What are we doing next? Well, I kind of teased this already. I think a lot of the, the teams that we've talked about that were struggling early on, that all of us would have thought they'd be at the top of their division, I think they're mostly going to be fine. The Rangers, I think they're going to be fine. The Lightning, I think they're going to be fine. The Panthers, the Leafs all have winning records. Even the Avalanche are 500, and they just won the Cup. They've got a little bit of a hangover. But there are two teams that are kind of at the bottom of the barrel right now that I think should be panicking, that do have serious reason for concern. The first one is Pittsburgh. They're four, five, and two. They've lost six straight, six straight losses after starting four, zero, oh, and one. I think. And so, I was digging up a little bit about this, reading about like some of the criticism and why this is happening because I don't watch every game. And and there seems to be a consensus, and I saw this more than once, was that the core is obviously older, a little bit slower, a little bit you know not as quick and fast and skilled as they used to be even though they're still very, very premier talented players, but they haven't adjusted their game with their age. I think they're still trying to play like they're 28, 27, and it's 
it's not working, obviously. And so I don't know. Again, I would love to hear what a Pittsburgh fan has to say about that. That's what I seem to take away from the research that I've done. Um, I don't know. Like, what's a good example of a team that or players that have done that, that have changed their game as they've gotten older and made those adjustments? Like, does that does that track to you or am I way off there? Well, I think a guy on that team, Jeff Carter. I think he's made little adjustments. He used to be a run and gun up and down the ice. Now he's a little more responsible. He knows he can't fly like other players, even a Phil Kessel. They adjust their games. They they take in their body type and they move on. But I don't think their older players are playing that bad. Crosby's playing great. Malkin's playing great. Yes, Latang is not playing great. I think that's that's the one that's the outlier. He's, he's playing some pretty bad hockey, but overall I, I said it last year. Are they the best team in the East? The Pittsburgh Penguins? No. Will they be in the next five years with this roster? No. Then what are we doing? Re-upping these guys? Why? Why not build your team around Jake Gensel, Brian Rust, these types of players? Yes. Keep Crosby. He, he's your core. You got to get rid of Malkin, even though he's having a great year. The guy's a good player. Get rid of Latang and just start over. If we're not in it to win the Stanley Cup, what are we doing? What are we doing? We have a good goalie in Tristan Yari. We can build around him. But just you you free up so much money. You free up, you have so many more options. Get rid of Latang. Get rid of Malkin. Now you can't. Now you're locked into these guys. Malkin's there for four more years. Latang's there for what? Seven more years? Six more years. I don't. I just. I don't get it. Maybe there's not another, not better options out there. If you're Mike Sullivan, or Ron Hexall, excuse me. I, I just don't get it. Why you keep just going back to this well and re-signing these guys? Malkin's 36. His contract's up. He's going to be 40 years old. Latang's 35. He's going to be 40 years old. They're going to get worse year in year out. I just don't understand. Why GMs do this? Maybe they have no other options. Maybe they tested the market and there's nothing else out there. I don't know. It's they're good. They're a good team. They'll probably squeeze into the playoffs, losing the first round, and then that's it. And they'll do that for the next two or three years. And good for them. But what are we doing it for? Well, one of the the listeners was messaging me last night, I think, about about this group and about this team. When he kind of said, "Why wouldn't they just get rid of them and go and tank for Bedard?" And I. If, I mean, it's easy to say now three weeks, four weeks into the season, whatever it is, and they're not playing well, even though they're their core guys like Malkin and Crosby both have 12 points each, I think. But if you've got those guys and you've got a goal, we had a really good season last year and the division is very competitive, but wide open. There's not one team that's running away with anything. Why wouldn't you want to be try to get one more? Like Crosby, Malkin, Latang, they've all said they want to go for it. They want to get one more. Malkin didn't sign right away. He had to be talked into it. And they, I mean, it's it's a little hindsight 2020 to say they have a bad start or they shouldn't have brought those guys back when everyone was saying they should have. Yeah, everybody wants a lot of things. Everybody wants to go for it again. The, the Blackhawks want to go for it again. The Capitals want to go for it again. It, you have to be realistic. They're sacrificing their future. When you look back at at their drafts the last four or five years, when they haven't been Stanley Cup contenders, can we just agree the last four or five years, they had had no business competing 
The Tampa Bay Lightning had taken over the Eastern Conference. Carolina was up and coming. Florida was just really surging. The Bruins were still really strong. Washington had just won the Stanley Cup, I think it was four years ago now. The Penguins were not in the mix. The Leafs were crazy strong. The Penguins were not in the mix. Point made, but they won the Cup five years ago. Yeah, I'm saying the last four years. I think that was it. But you look at their drafts. Last year, they had one first-rounder. They did not have a second. They did not have a third. The year before that, they didn't have a, thir- a first, a third, or a fourth. The year before that, they didn't have a first. You can't rebuild your team and continue to be relative when you don't draft good young players. And then when you do get a first-round draft pick, because you're not just really to lean into the rebuild or just sacrifice a season or two of losing, your first-round picks are 21 overall, 21 overall. And then they hadn't had a first-round pick in 2018, 2017, 2016, 2015. And I know they were winning cups in those years, but you're not getting better. You use all your cap for Malkin, Latang, Crosby, and you can't go out and sign anybody else because there's no money left, and you have no good young players in the system because you, well, we had to trade our first-rounder two years ago. We had to trade our first-rounder three years ago. Because these guys, they want to make another run at it. There's no more making runs, you guys. It's done. I'm sorry. It, it It's done. You're 35-plus. It was a mistake signing those two guys to deals this offseason. I get it. You're Hall of Famers, all three of you. But it's it's done. Can we just stick a fork in them with the Capitals, both of them? Two forks? Psh- Done. You've been you've been trying to say the Bruins windows have been closed for years, and look at them now. They're not going to win the cup. The Bruins, I don't think they are. John, thirty-one teams aren't going to win the cup. That's not a very good argument. They're going to be right. There I don't think they have any business. Bruins, when you look at their, when you look at the division, if I'm a GM, I'm sitting back and I'm going, okay, who who are the people who can win the Stanley Cup in this division? If I'm in the Eastern Conference, and my if I'm who's Cam Neely. Yep. Who's the guy there? He's am I better? Am I better than Carolina? Yes. No. 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 What do you what makes you say yes? No, have, you're not. Am I better than Tampa Bay? Am I better than Florida? Am I better than Toronto? No is across the board. Yes. Across the <laughs> I'm board. just saying you have to be realistic. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'd be a terrible GM. But I just think you have to read the room. I don't think they're better than any of those teams. I would say I would put them on par. The Rangers, maybe. Maybe they're on par with the Rangers. I don't think they're as good as Carolina. Tampa Bay, Florida, Detroit, or Toronto, I mean, if they go into in the playoffs and face those teams, I think the Bruins are losing. But maybe I'm wrong. That's why I'm not a GM. Could be. But hey, so does it. Let's talk about the other team that needs to be pushing the panic button. Well, you just have to admit the Penguins are not a Stanley Cup contender. Please. Oh, I admit that. Yes. Because when you look at the Bruins roster compared to the Penguins roster, the Penguins roster is older. They've been injured for the last four years substantially. They always lead the league in injured games played. The Bruins have young, good players that the Penguins don't have. And the Bruins goaltending situation, I think, is a little more clear. But that's why they're different. Defense is a huge, huge factor between the, oh, the difference between those two teams. Yeah, and forwards too. I think the Bruins have a better forward group. They they have across the board better players everywhere, and they're younger. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you bring your Bruins into the equation. They're ten and one. <laughs> Last year, they should have regrouped. This is I did not expect this whatsoever from the Bruins. 
What's happening? The way Krejci's been playing, the way Bergeron's just continuing to play well, the way they've started without their top guys, Marshawn coming back and just unseemly just fitting back into this roster after a big offseason injury. So it, I didn't expect it. So it's a pleasant surprise. I'm going to make a meme of like two people talking and there's a thought bubble above your head saying, how can I make this conversation about me? And there's a thought bubble above my head saying, how can I make this conversation about the Bruins? I'm going to make that or someone make that. It'll be fun. I never make it about myself. What are you talking about? <laughs> you do all the time. You're crazy. Okay. The other team, St. Louis Blues. They lost again last night. They're three and six on the year. They haven't played as many games as most other teams, but they've lost six straight after starting three and oh. I think goaltending is probably absolutely, I would say absolutely, because another major factor I want to get to, but goaltending has not been good. Bennington has not played well, and he's also an absolute nut job. Did you see, it was, what, I forget who they were playing, Minnesota maybe the other night, and he got pulled after like fourth or fifth game of the night, and he's chirping the, the opponent's bench as he skates by, like he's going to get him next time or something. And then last yeah, the night. Yeah, the LA Kings bench. Was it the Kings? Yeah. And then last night. Between periods, get into his bench, and he just slams into Sorokin's shoulder on purpose, just for no reason, just because Sorokin's playing better than him, letting in one goal compared to Bennington's four or something. And so uh, I just I don't like that kid. But I think a bigger problem than Bennington is their offense. They've scored 21 goals on the season, which is the fewest in the entire league. And you look around, they've got like Justin Falk leading the team in points. You've got Tarasenko who's about a point per game, but they're just not scoring goals and they're not producing. And so... I think this is a team that all of us at the beginning of the year said they're one of maybe three teams in the West that could be a cup contender, and now they're at the bottom of the barrel. And I think it's panic time for them. How uh, how much does Ryan O'Reilly miss David Perron? Mm-hmm. Good question. Perron's playing pretty well in Detroit. That guy, he's a sneaky good hockey player where he, you just don't – you do notice him, but you don't expect him to put up the points he does just because he's a rat and he's always in every scrum and he's just annoying. Let's get him on the show. You guys can hash it out. No, there's nothing to hash out. He's a good hockey player, and I just he annoyed me when he played. He did his job. I, I like the guy. But he puts up 70-plus points, and it's like, dang, David Perron, not bad. But how much has Ryan O'Reilly missed this guy? He, it's 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 amazing. Nola Kari not looking so good on the first line for the St. Louis Blues, but going back to Bennington. What are we? What are you doing? You're goaltender. Why are you starting scrums with the opposing team's goaltender? Why are you swinging your stick at Nazim Kadri last year, punching Evander Kane in the head, chirping the bench on the way out? As a goaltender, aren't you supposed to be every goaltender we interview on the show? We've interviewed a bunch of them, right? I, at least a dozen. They're always they all have the same trait: calm, cool, collected, cerebral, almost, just very. Yep. Zen like this guy's insane. He's absolutely insane. You can't let your emotions get the better of you. If you're a goaltender, you have to be able to shake things off, move on, not get too hot headed. The only other goaltender I can remember like him is Ron Hextall. <laughs> what are you doing? Bennington? Like just stay in your net. Don't if I'm, if I'm the Islanders, I'm running the hell out of Bennington. If we go out and they won by a handy amount and then I'm just chirping them. It's it's embarrassing what he's doing. You just keep your mouth shut. I don't know. Like, just go to your bench. You're losing. You've given up four goals. Sorokin's a better goaltender. Is he trying to fire his team up? Is he trying to fire himself up? Is he trying to get in Sorokin's head? I don't know what the end game is there, but he just looks dumb. And it's it's, it's just time after time after time. I don't know. I, I don't get it. I've never played with a goalie like that at all. Just go away. 
Right. And so it was actually them in 2019 that was in close to last place and then won like 20 out of 25 yep. games or something. So if if one of these two teams were to do that again this year and work their way back into a playoff spot between Pittsburgh and St. Louis, who do you think it's going to be? <sighs> Man. St. Louis. Yeah. It's it, and it's basically it's based strictly on the conference. Yeah. I just feel like St. Louis has a better avenue of getting back into contention. But when you look at Pittsburgh, the way the Islanders have started, Carolina, the Devils, Philadelphia, Washington even, it's a tough hill to climb. But when you look at St. Louis, it's like, okay, they could probably pass Arizona. They could probably get by Chicago. They could probably catch up to Winnipeg. Minnesota, who knows who this you know, Nashville. They've been playing bad ever since they hit North American soil. They've been two and seven since they've got back from overseas. So, the hill is is easier to climb in the Western Conference just because the competition isn't as strong. So I, I'd say St. Louis, but I don't think either of them will make the playoffs. Do you? Probably not. Yeah, even statistically, probably not. But even the Blues, if they win three in a row, they're six and six. They're going to leapfrog some teams and be right back in the mix for a wild card spot. So it doesn't take much, and it's still so early. But yeah, I think I think they're both going to be done. I don't know. Thanksgiving's around the corner. If you're in a playoff spot at Thanksgiving, it's like a 72% chance you'll be there at the end of the season. So it's getting pretty late in the day, Tim, for teams to be scuttling this long into the season. All right. We got it. Every show we have to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Take it away, Tim. <laughs> yeah. Well, I try not to, but we actually got a couple of requests of people like, I need to hear John's reaction to this. So Austin Matthews. Starts a few scrums in that Phillies game, doesn't get involved. And then Mike Rupp tweeted out a video that went viral and he broke up basically frame by frame of like him slashing Konechny, Konechny slashing back. He's like, this is all good. I like what's happening here. A couple of cross check. I like what's happening here. And then you got Bunting and Giordano hopping in and Matthews not even getting involved and just stepping back. And you watched it with, with Rupp's breakdown and go find it if you haven't seen it yet. It's very, very good in my opinion. But it, it's one of those things where it's like, you can see all the melee happening around him and Matthews is just still. And Rupp, I see the comments to Rupp's video, the same as the comments of when you post stuff. It's like, you were, you had 99 career points in your whole life. Like, who are you to say what Matthews can do? And not? it's like, he played like 15 years in the NHL. He won a couple of cups. He's also spent more time around players like this than anyone else has. So he knows what he's talking about. Same as you do. And so I think there's something to all this. We had a couple of other people chime in too. Andrew Shaw said, quote, totally agree. This is embarrassing for 34 and the Leafs. George of the Rocks said, really good points there. That's exactly why this team will never win. Scoring is not enough for a leader. You need to inspire your teammates to win. Then even Eric Engels from Montreal said, he texted that video to a few NHL players that he knows, and they all said the analysis was bang on. So there's something to be said for this. This is not just one player going off on a limb, but you, we talked about this a little bit, and you said you're not totally sure that you agree with him. What's your take on this? Uh, you know, you, you, do you want Austin Matthews fighting? No, if you're, if that's, you're the that's not the point. I know that's not the point. Do you want him acting like this? Do you want him engaging with connect me? Like, what does Rupp want Matthews to do differently? Does he not smile? Does he not want him to just, does he just want him to get hit and then move along? I, I don't, I don't know what Matthews, that, that's who he is. You know what I mean? He is, I don't know. I, I want to go scorched earth, but I'm trying to just be nice. 
and, and see my because what I do is I make it about myself and I put myself in Matthew's situation. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm a, I'm an elite goal scorer in this league. Do I smile? No. Why? Why do I smile in that situation? If anything, I'm embarrassed because this guy who is six inches shorter than I am and forty pounds lighter is punking me out in front of the whole league and my bench in the NHL because you know all eyes are on this game because we've lost three, four in a row, five in a row, whatever it is, and we're expected. This this is a big game for them for Toronto. What would be the best thing for the Leafs right now, in my opinion? Matthews engages with Konechny, drops his gloves, and ragdolls him because he can. He's insanely strong. And people go, oh, we don't want our 50, 60 goal scorers scoring. Every star player fights at some point in their career. Crosby's dropped the gloves. Ovechkin's dropped the gloves. Taves dropped them. Everybody drops the gloves. If they're of that size. You don't see Patty Kane dropping his gloves because the guy's 5'7". Matthews is a big man, Tim. He's a big man. It what? Here's what I... I didn't agree with everyone's. Oh, he should have. I don't think the whole situation is bad for Matthews. There's a couple parts where it's just like, what are you doing? The one part where he's just standing still and everybody's rushing into the action. It's like, it reminded me of that Bradley Cooper movie, Limitless, when all of New York is just going super fast and he's just in slow motion. It looked weird. And Rupper, he nailed it. He's like, this doesn't look right. It doesn't. To me, that's the whole, that's just Toronto in a nutshell. Matthews doesn't want to engage. He doesn't want to get involved. He doesn't want to go all the way in. You know what I mean? If you see your teammates fighting your battle, don't you think you would want to jump in there and help them? Don't you think you would have that inclination to go and help your teammates? They're outnumbered right now, potentially, because you're not engaged. And you started this whole thing, but you're you're more than happy to have these guys whipping around you. And the reason is he's terrified. He is absolutely dumping in his pants right there because he doesn't want he do, he doesn't have that dog in him. He doesn't have that fight. There's the old saying, it's not the size of the dog in a fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Bingo. Travis Konechny, six inches shorter, 40 pounds less. He's got that thing inside of him. Austin Matthews doesn't have it. And that's why the Leafs won't win. I'm sorry. Tavares has it. Giordano has it. Bunting has it. A lot of guys have that instinct to go and help somebody. Matthews does not have it. Why? I don't know. Because he's a spoiled little Brad who's been coddled his whole life and never had to put in any difficult situation. That's well documented by me. <laughs> it's why the Leafs won't win, Tim. It's why they won't win. He should have not smiled and he should have just grabbed somebody, I don't know, turned around, like engage with somebody when when the battle begins. Go get somebody. Or in an ideal world, you fight Connectney, you don't throw a punch and you just grab him and ragdoll him. You're stronger than he is. But he does that's not who he is. He's a chicken. That's sort of my take on all this because, like, it's just like something with the Bruins. Not just kidding, but it's like the other star players, like McKinnon. You know what I mean? And even like like a Pasternak yeah. or I don't even McDavid. I feel like would at least do something, and especially if we're the ones starting it. I don't want Matthews or need Matthews to shed the mitts and throw punches. I don't think that's really good for anybody. Maybe that's something he does twice in his career, and that's all that's needed. I'm not advocating for that, but like the 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 involvement and the and the intensity and like Lorax said you got to inspire your teammates to win and when you got like those guys should come to his defense like that's okay they didn't do anything wrong Bunting and Giordano like they should stand up for Matthews when they see something happening but you start that and then you step away and you watch it and you don't even touch yeah. anyone he had that like that limp arm on whoever like 
Philadelphia's seventh defenseman. Like it's just, yeah, it's just not a good look. And so I, I, I do agree with Rob's analysis. And for the people saying, well, you want Toronto to be a tough team. You want it to be a skilled team, this and that. It's not about being a, a, t- a tough team. It's not about going out and fighting. It's not about any of those things. It's a, just about being there for your teammates and not starting something and just kicking rocks and getting out of there. You like at, as a player, I would always go to bat for all my teammates because I, I wanted to protect them. That's what my job was. There was only certain times where teammates, I wouldn't like protecting them and I wouldn't protect them if they would start stuff and not be engaged in it. And it, it Austin Matthews has to be engaged there. He doesn't have to drop his gloves. He doesn't have to be in the middle of the mix. Even when I jumped Phil Kessel, Phil grabbed somebody. Yeah. You know, he could have easily skated off and just gone out, gone away, but he knew he had to be there for his teammates. The, it's, it's not about, oh, the Leafs, this and that. You guys are just picking this and that. This is a big deal in my eyes. It, it shows you how Austin Matthews how engaged he is a to the game and B to his team. I guarantee you, they go into that locker room. The players watch this replay. The players are listening to Mike Rupp. They're listening to our recap. They're listening to everybody in Toronto because it's blasted everywhere all the time. You think Giordano's happy with Matthews? You think bunting is happy with Matthews? You think all these guys, you have to run in and protect this guy. And you turn around and you see him. I don't know if he was smiling, like Rupper said, but just not even like, not even engaging. It's not a good look. It's not a good look. That sly grin, just like, yeah, I'm cool. I'm better than you. And like Rob said, it's going to look really nice and a screenshot on my Instagram. But yeah, it's just not a good look, like you said. And before that, he's got to be careful with those cross checks. Who did he cross check last year? He got suspended one game for it. And then he goes after Konechny with the cross check. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's it's the Leafs. It's the absolute Leafs. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's their top guys. Nylander, Matthews, Marner. That's them. Entitled, spoiled, brats. Moving on. Enough of Toronto. What are we talking about next? Uh, talking about winning some money tonight. There are only oh, two games. Baby. Bring it. Yeah. And I feel good about both of them. So uh, forget everything I said to this point. It's clear slate. Two games tonight. I'm almost going to put all my money on the Avalanche. They're playing against Columbus. I thought about it. I didn't put all of it, but I feel really good about that. And everyone else should too. They're minus 250. The odds aren't. Super great in terms of win out, but they should win that game. And then the other one is the interesting one. You got Sabres playing in um, Carolina. Carolina is obviously favored, but I like the Sabres tonight. They're plus 170. I think they're going to squeak that one out. They've looked really good. They keep winning. Tage Thompson. I'm going to, if I'm going to find a way to make sure he scores a point and bet on that. So those are my two picks tonight. Av minus 250 and Sabres plus 170. Do you know that that game's being played in Finland? <laughs> what really? Columbus, no. Colorado? No, really? Yeah, it's a two-game series. They're playing in Finland for some reason. In the middle of the season, the black, the Blue Jackets, and the Avalanche just decided to go to Finland for a two-game series. This Didn't even global know. series is bizarre. It's so bizarre. I don't know what he's doing. It's the global series Finland coverage. It's it's so funny, but yes, maybe that sways your betting just a little bit. Patrick Line going back home. Maybe he's a little more fired up. The the time change, the travel to him, does that change your bet at all? Maybe not go so heavy? Uh no. All right. You're it's going Colorado. You're yeah. going for it. Are you are okay. The game starts at an hour. So you better get those bets in there. 
I am going to go. I'm going Sabres. I'm going Avalanche. And I'm going over. So that that's all I do. The two games, the over-under is set at 13. I'm going over 13. I'm going the Avalanche. And I'm going the Sabres. That's a, it's a simple bet. I'm going to put a nice wager on all of them. And I'm going to probably parlay all three of them, which is I, I always parlay every bet I do. So I'm going to do that. I'll have four bets on the go. I'll win three of them, maybe. Maybe four of them. I can't win three. I either got to win two or four, right? Right, yeah. Because if I win three, I win four. So that's my bets. I'm going Sabres. I'm going Avs. I'm going over. And I'm going the parlay. So get on BetUS. If you sign up today, you get 125% deposit bonus, which means if you put in 500 you get an extra $750 free. It's an insanely good deal to sign up. So get in on the action. Join Tim and I. Join us all on BetUS. It's just a fun time. I enjoy it. Tim loves losing, even though he's playing. He just still loves it because he's losing. All right. Quick hits, Timmy. What are we doing? Yeah, just a couple here. Eric Carlson scored again last night. Stop me if you heard this before. He's now got 10 on the year. He's going he's gonna to score 30 goals this year if he keeps it up. Um, which you won't, but he's going to be really good. And then Ovechkin also scored last night, and he officially tied Gordie Howe for the most goals with one single team with 786. Mark Howe was in the house last night to, to celebrate that with him. And then finally, we talked last week or the other episode about um, the Senators being for sale. Ryan Reynolds, the Canadian actor who's otherwise known as Deadpool, also the owner of that soccer team in Wales, uh, Wrexham, is interested in buying the team, which would be very, very, very cool, I think. And one of the, I did see that there was a report that one of the conditions of the sale, not for him, but for anybody, is that the team remain in Ottawa, which I think <clears throat> is definitely smart. Yeah, I don't care. Whatever. He's not going to buy it. I like Deadpool. I've only seen the first one, but uh, he, that guy does everything. He does gin. He bought that soccer team. Yeah. He's buying a hockey team. It's funny. Renaissance, man. I don't care. Ovechkin ties how. That's great. Let me know when he gets to Gretzky. Yeah, two years. Two years? Yeah. Are they going to include the KHL goals when he goes to the KHL? <laughs> yeah. KHL Carlson? goals come for two. Carlson Norris? Could be. What's he got? Two? One or two in his career? If two, he leads the D in points and San Jose finishes dead last, he's got the most points. But he's minus thirty-five. Does he win the? No, next? no. They're going to give it to McCarr or Fox or Headman in those situations, okay. who would put up maybe fewer points that on a better team, and they're the marketable players probably. So, okay. What if he's fifteen points clear of the next closest guy? He's got eighty-five, <laughs> and a guy's got seventy. But Carlson's in last place, and he's dash forty. Is he your Norris Trophy winner as of today? It's him or Darlene. Uh, Hampus, Hampus Lindholm, 14, 14 points plus 12. What team is he on? Uh, he plays for that. Uh, what team is that? Uh, I don't know. Oh, the Boston I will Bruins. say this. Did you see the Bruins? One last thing. Did you see their jerseys for the game versus Pittsburgh? It's, an, it's pretty sweet. Winter classic, yeah. I like that jersey. They got that the one old right. bear. Very, yeah. very, very. I would buy that jersey. Or they could send it to me if you're listening. If you're a Bruins person send me that jersey for free i love free stuff all right everybody anything else tim uh no have a good weekend thanks for listening have a good weekend have a good weekend thanks for listening yeah i guess so tim needs a break art we'll, we'll give him a break everybody we'll talk to you on monday have a good weekend get out there make a difference
Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.